Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to She Said. He Said. Two different takes on tech and life. I'm your host, Nicole Scott. And I'm Michael Josh. This is episode one, today's laptops, innovation. Or gimmicks. On today's show, we'll run down some of the laptops we saw at Computex 2019. And the tech behind them. And we'll try to answer some questions. Are laptops better flashy or boring? Has innovation hit a wall? Is there more to look forward to? And we'll end with a fearless forecast. What will the laptops of the future be like? This is She Said, He Said. Well, Nicole, here we are, finally, after years of talking about it, scheming to do something together. We're doing a podcast together. We're doing a podcast together. And I think it's very apropos that we do it here at Computex because it's where we first became kind of close. It's where our romance as tech journalists began. The city of Taipei in Taiwan is such a great city. And, you know, we uh, both have our roots in Asia. I originally am from the Philippines. and I've been based in Taiwan for the past 10 years. I recently moved to Berlin. And I recently moved to New York. So we've left Asia, but we still both fundamentally have a love and understanding of what happens here because it's so fast-paced. I can't, I can't, I can't take my finger off the pulse of Asia, even though I'm now based in Berlin. And we haven't really abandoned Asia per se. Uh, I think we've made that move to be closer to what we're doing. New York is kind of the media hub. Yeah, I have a, I have a better pulse on the future of mobility sort of in Berlin. I have better relationships with the German manufacturers. And at the core of what we have always set out to do is to always be bring a global and an Asian perspective and kind of merge those two and be able to tell those stories. And it's so nice to be back in a way where it all began, but also where the action is right now. And Computex is one of those shows that is hyper nerdy. It is. It's hyper nerdy because it's where all the silicon manufacturers are. A lot of these brand names you may not have heard of. Yeah, I mean... Everything 10 years ago when I moved here, 95% of all laptops were made by a Taiwanese manufacturer. Foxconn, most people have heard of. It's a Taiwanese company. Mm -hmm. But there are other brands as well. Acer, Asus, Mm -hmm. all of these guys, they're all here as well. And Intel and Qualcomm and MediaTek all show off their new innovations to the manufacturers, and we get to look at those conversations about what's going to be happening in the future of our devices. Right. So the show is kind of twofold. You have the chip manufacturers, the chip makers making announcements. The general public may or may not care too much about it because they might not really know how big of an impact that really makes on their lives. And then there are the brands like Acer and Asus that are making hardware announcements to the actual devices that run off some of these uh, new technology silicon announcements. So we had we had quite a few. Actually, all the all the big boys had an announcement this week. MediaTek um, is here, and they announced a new 5G tip, chip. Chip for mobile. For mobile. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, great because I think, and speaking about Asia, um, Qualcomm has always been that dominant force in system on a chips which run the world's smartphones. MediaTek is is another player in that space, and they have always, their, their kind of mantra for their company is affordable technology for all. And so they're trying, while Qualcomm is leading that 5G um, conversation, MediaTek wants people to know that, hey, we are we are also making 5G chips and we will make it more affordable and we can do as good, uh, create smartphones that are just as good. And AMD, which is a name that we haven't really heard that much from, they also had a pretty great announcement of the show where they went to 7, seven nanometer. So basically... 
silica, the SOCs are printed on a circle and it gets smaller and smaller, right? So they just basically went to a smaller one this show, so which AMD is cool. So AMD is basically the the rival of, of Intel. Of Intel. And uh, the funny thing is, or the most interesting part, I guess they knew that this was going to be a very important announcement because you know how Computex has a press conference at the start of the show? AMD basically bought the rights to be the keynote address to make it their presentation. And and they that's where they kind of launched their new 7 nanometer chips that power the new desktops of tomorrow. And Intel finally made a significant announcement with their processor roadmap. So four years ago was the last time that Intel had a significant architecture change. So we have 10th Gen Core, this here from Intel. Right. So this is this is great. And we're finally seeing some, some movement and some rivalry, and there's a little bit of competition. And I think that that's only going to benefit us and the devices that we're seeing this show, because we're not only seeing like nerdy processor announcements, these are resulting in reference designs and real products. So Nicole, my question is, we all know about Moore's Law and how chips are shrinking, becoming smaller. Have we hit a wall in terms of innovation, especially where silicon is concerned? I don't think so at all. I think we still have lots of room for innovation if we look at Qualcomm. So the Qualcomm 8CX laptop with 5G was shown here at the show. Now, you know, usually when they announce new chips, they come with a reference design laptop. It's a gray laptop in a shell. Uh, but this time around, to show that they're serious, they have actually partnered with Lenovo to present a, an actual laptop. It's not yet shipping, but you can actually see it. It looks just like your Lenovo laptop. It actually over looks here. identical to the one that I have right here. But this, this on its own, whatever. Lenovo, or, uh, Qualcomm has a chip in a Lenovo laptop. Where this gets really exciting for me, the performance, one thing. So they showed the 8CX 5G up against an 8th gen. So actually, the, pro the, the processor I have in this laptop right here, up against the i5. Right? Which is and a mid-range PC processor. You've all heard of the Intel i5. Yeah, and they've done a good job in competing, right? Sure, they, Intel just launched the 10th gen core this show, but having said that, the 8th gen is a solid, solid, solid processor. I'm what, using it right now. What people need to know is this This chip is basically a mobile chip, and it's part of a new uh, class of device that uh, Qualcomm is called the always-on, always-connected PC. And uh, while in principle, in terms of tests, it is just as powerful as an i5 computer, you know, more or less they're neck and neck in terms of all the benchmark scores. What's different and what sets this apart is, is the fact that it's twice the amount of battery life. They're claiming up to two days battery life on a, a laptop, which and is crazy. And they're promising all day battery life on a 5G laptop when, when that gets launched. Now, for me, the 5G is where we start to see the fundamental shift in, in, in the devices that we can be seeing in the next few years. Because 5G, because of its speeds, this could mean that we drop storage from our laptops, which would change the form factor completely if we didn't have to have storage. And then let's say, sure, it's cool that the... That, the, uh, that, that Qualcomm's processor can have this strong compute. But imagine, as content creators, if we could export our videos on a server somewhere, right? That we just edited here, and 5G was fast enough that we could just have all of our compute happen in the cloud, right? This, this really is a shift in 
the design and how we use our devices. It really is a new way of thinking about what computing will be like in the future. It's not necessarily a hardware play in terms of saying, oh, I want this fancy new you know, bell or whistle, but it's about the internals and how what the inside of a computer might be like. Having it always connected to seems like a really great thing to me, and especially with 5G on its way. People will argue 5G is here, but with 5G finally slowly rolling out around the globe, it's great to have to never have to worry about Wi-Fi ever again. You know, and a hotspot or going to a cafe just to get connected. And you and I... Just a few weeks ago, you attended Google I.O. and I attended Microsoft Build. Now, these are more enterprise, business, consumer-focused shows. If we take what we heard there around voice and the future of voice, what Qualcomm is talking about, changing the form factor, we could start to just talk to our PCs, right? Everything could fundamentally change based on Qualcomm's new chip. Right. So while it it might not be as apparent because it does look like just like your regular old laptop. It looks laptop, exactly like my laptop right now. <laughs> it is it does open a lot of doors of possibility and that's really what's exciting about the future. Of course this is this talk about chips will probably, you know, even for me get to a point where I I kind of just like it just passes from one end of one ear out the other end. Well, it's it's benchmarks. It's like three D renders of silicon parts, and, and a lot of terminology that a lot of people don't might not care about. But there were some actual devices, not just reference devices, but some actual devices launched at the show. Uh, two of those, I think, that were standouts for us. One from Dell. Uh, for one particular reason, and another from ASUS for, for a completely, completely different, different reason. reason. So the Dell, this is probably the most boring laptop that I've seen in a long time, but I, its perfection makes it exciting, right? So is boring the way to go? And then ASUS... Which launched a laptop with a built-in second display, which for me seemed gimmicky at first, but when I started using it kind of got me thinking about maybe I do want a laptop just like this one. So you're talking about the ZenBook Pro Duo. It has the secondary display right below the the normal display. And right in front of sort of the, the keyboard. keyboard. But they had a second announcement, also second screen oriented, but this went to their entire line of products. So this was the ScreenPad 2.0, and it's a screen built into the trackpad. Now we saw that technology last year. We were here last year when they introduced the ScreenPad, and the technology was in its early stages, but it was also only available on the higher end models. On the One Hero product. Yes, that One Hero product. What's interesting is not only is it rolled off across its entire ZenBook line, even the more affordable entry VivoBook line. The VivoBooks got it, right? This, This to me is where it starts to get really exciting. The fact that Asus went, you know what? We're gonna take this weird second display that we've put into the trackpad and we're gonna push it to our entire line. Their plan is that it's going to every notebook and only in some markets, I believe the emerging ones, so the Philippines is one of them. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find out if Germany's going to be considered an emerging market or not. <laughs> well, I don't think Germany is emerging. I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think that from purchasing perspectives, the Germans may want to consider themselves an emerging market to get the normal trackpad just for their weird German reasons. Anyways, um, 
I love that they're they're trying, right? So they put it to the entire line, and they've said, you know what? We don't want to do the regular old trackpad anymore. We're putting this out. We're opening up the API, which I think is really, really important because they've come up with several use cases, right? Mostly around Word or Excel. Yeah, so they have um, special, they've kind of worked together with Microsoft so that when you are on Microsoft Word, um, the whole there's a whole special set of toolbars that are easily accessible from that touchpad. Now, this is a secondary display, so you could theoretically, if you wanted to, drag a window from your main display onto your trackpad if you wanted to. I do that sometimes to control my music or, you know, chat with a friend. I keep that WhatsApp window open on my trackpad, uh, which is nice and nice to have. But, you know, having tools available for you uh, when you're maybe, you know, typing or, or working on a spreadsheet is something that's nice to have. But I think your point about the APIs is... <laughs> The sky's the limit. The sky's the limit. The sky's the limit. Anyone who makes a program for Windows can do a customization for the trackpad. How many people will do that? Unclear. But at the same time, the potential is really there. Now, let's just talk about how useful you found it. So I... I prefer the, the ScreenPad Plus on the ZenBook Pro Duo. By the way, I was at the show floor yesterday, and the ZenBook Pro Duo basically is their high-end, top-of-the-line, all the bells and whistles, most powerful uh, f- uh, 4K OLED display. I'm pretty amazing. They actually have a smaller version that also has the ScreenPad Plus. Nice. They just call it the Zen ZenBook Duo. So there's a ZenBook Duo and there's a ZenBook Pro Duo. It has integrated graphics, so it's not as powerful, but still, for the everyday user, might still be one that they would consider. I don't mind using it, and I actually kind of love it. I think what's important to note is that Asus, among many other companies, Razer included, have realized that creators are a big market. You know, there's always been a focus on gamers, enterprise, and everyday users. But I think creators, and this is something that Apple does really well with their MacBook Pro series, is that they've really targeted content creators and creatives. And so now more and more companies are building devices that are really targeted at the needs of creators. And Asus believes that creators want to be able to multitask. Creators all have uh, secondary displays, two monitors, basically. So Asus was like, why don't we build that second monitor, you know, that second display onto a laptop. And Apple kind of thought about this with their touch bar on the MacBook Pros, but it's so small, right? And so I can scrub back and forth on a video. Sometimes, you know, there are contextual, like, menus that come out if I was in in an application, but I I can't really do so much. But with this um, secondary display, it's big enough. So not only can I fit a second app, I can do smaller versions of that, up to three apps side by side on this secondary display. And so initially I was like, okay, I remember sitting down and I was like, try to wrap your head around this idea, give it a chance. What would you put on your secondary display? And I was surprised because there were so many apps that I actually would love to have active and open at the same time. You know, whether I'm writing it on Word, writing a new script, or I was surfing the internet, it was good to have some other windows there. I have a lot of friends that I chat with on WhatsApp, and sometimes I'm coordinating something, right? And it's, it was so nice to just have WhatsApp on the secondary display open so that I didn't have to take a look at my phone, and I could be working, and then I get a message. I look down, and I looked at the screen, and, and my hand does not leave the keyboard. I tap on the screen, I type my response 
tap back on the main display and continue working. No distractions from my phone. And then I have a, I, so I did, I did WhatsApp, I did Slack, and I had another window open for Spotify. I was listening to music, but that could be Gmail, seeing your new mail come in, right? And have all of those open at the same time. You know, if you were working in social media, you could have Twitter there so that you could monitor tweets as they come in or TweetDeck or, or Google Analytics to see real-time analytics if you work for a publication. Um, and then there's so many other different use cases. If you're a game streamer, you could be playing your game on the main display. You could have your, your own, like, preview for your Twitch and then the Discord chat in one window, which was another example they showed. Um, you know, if you're an editor, your your timeline could be on that secondary display. There are, there are many possibilities, and it really boils down to how you use your laptop. But those first, those initial examples are not even for the creator. They're just for the everyday user, right, for multitasking. And so I kind of want the... So for, for me, I 100% agree with you. I think that the secondary display before the, um, under the main display is really, really useful. I played around with Adobe Premiere um, in this, and I thought, this is really great because I don't always carry around my Zen screen. So I have a Zen screen, um, and it sits beside my, my monitor, and I absolutely love it. And the Zen I'm, screen, just for, for everyone's benefit, is basically a portable monitor. It's like a, ta- a large tablet. That has a stand and... So to me, because at my home I don't have a desktop, my laptop is my main computer, and when I sit at my desk, I like to have multiple monitors, and it's just such a seamless, small, lightweight, easy-to-put-away display that I can use pretty much anywhere. Now, as someone who's addicted to secondary display for productivity, I I 100% agree with you that the that the big display under the main display is useful, but I'm not sold on the ScreenPad 2.0. I found it very difficult to use. So I hope that what we saw this year with the ScreenPad 2.0 going to the entire line, that we see the secondary display on the like like on the Duo, this trickle down to a more affordable price point like we saw with the Vivo book. It definitely was flashy and interesting. And I think the importance of a product like this, regardless of people will probably argue, do we really need the secondary display? But it keeps YouTubers like me, journalists like us, uh, interested in a show like Computex because there's this flashy product to talk about. And a flashy product that really tangibly allows us to envision what the future could be like. Right. Right. Because your favorite device isn't a flashy product. It's not. It's the Dell XPS 13 2-in-1. This is probably the most boring laptop that I've seen in a long time. In in, in all fairness, it's when when the Dell XPS 13 was first announced. I don't remember. 2012. Many, many years ago. It was a device that, I I don't want to say revolutionary, but it was definitely eye-catching. It was different. Windows laptops were just black slates. Uh, that all looked alike. You had this sexy, almost Mac-esque Windows laptop with with what no one else did at that time, a borderless display. Yeah, it was, it was really the first one to kind of drop the display down and shy away from that traditional laptop, the thick plastic bezels, a display that was, they had a matte display that was really beautiful and the price point was so aggressive. It, w- it came at a time when MacBooks started to be the device you'd see at a cafe. And it, it came at a time where usage was changing. It, it came at the BY, BYOD era, bring your mm-hmm. own device era, where people wanted to bring their sexy home laptop to work. And, and I, the MacBook Air is this device. Right. And I remember being at Dell World that year in Austin, and it was a, is an enterprise-centric 
uh, event and people, even in the enterprise that year, were like, why can't we have this device, this lifestyle home consumer device to be our office-issued enterprise device? Why do I have to get a latitude with an Ethernet port? Exactly. <laughs> and times have changed. However, while it is boring, it's boring in the sense that the updates over the, over the last few years have been incremental. It was groundbreaking when it was launched, but the but there's a there's a certain value to incremental updates. The MacBook Air fundamentally hasn't changed since it launched as well. Neither has the MacBook right? Pro. Neither has MacBook Pro. There 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 is a beauty to being boring now, right? It it means refinement. It means that you've really considered how to iterate this device in the most functional way possible. And if we want to be useful, functional, productive, right? Do I want to spend hours figuring out how to use the Duo or the Zen Screen 2.0? Or do I want to be incredibly happy that Dell has taken the time to now drop the concept of being fanless? They went back and forth. Does it have a fan? Does, like, is it going to be too hot on my lap, right? They've, they've considered all of these tiny complaints that we've had as reviewers, yeah. and they've refined them all. They've increased the, the amount of metal in the chassis, making it so much more durable. They put a fingerprint into the power button just to make that a lot more seamless. They've fixed the, the camera, camera position. Problem, yeah. yeah, because like when it was on the bottom, my boobs were just looked outrageous all the time. Yikes. And so this was the thing that I really hated about this device. You can't suddenly take a phone call because you're like, whoa. At that time, they didn't have a place to put. There was the technology wasn't ready. Wasn't to, ready because they had to kind of relocate the camera because they wanted to keep the bezel small uh, up top. And Dell, Dell has done all of this work refining this beautiful, to me, the white one. Oh, so yeah. sexy, right? For Intel's 10th Gen Core. The two-in-one but is not just a laptop, too. It's a convertible. It's a convertible. And the, the hinge design, we've seen Lenovo build this 360 hinge for years, right? And when it was released in 2012, this was around the time that the Ultrabook was just becoming popular. And we as an industry here at Computex had to say, okay, we need to make these laptops, tablets. What's the best way that we do that, right? And we saw so many people try so many different things. We had the swivel design from Gigabyte. Um, Microsoft's gone with the removable tablet with the magnets. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the industry has settled on either that 360 hinge or Lenovo has the watch band, right, to flip the display back. So laptops have seen a lot of innovation over the last few years, just into the two-in-one category. But overall, that's pretty much it, right? It's and good. Yeah. I feel like it's great to finally be at a point where we have a solid, very little, few, if any, compromises on a device. One that looks beautiful, that is equally as functional, and has all the tweaks kind of ironed out. That way, it's an easy sell. It's an easy recommend you know, for journalists like us to reviewers like us to say, hey, this is a solid device. Go out and buy it, uh, and you will be happy. Well, on that note, it's time for you and me to deliver our fearless forecast. What will the future of computing or computers be like? We're definitely seeing the trend that we want to control our computers with our voice. This means a fundamental shift in form factors because maybe we hear our data. Maybe we no longer need a keyboard. But this is nowhere near happening anytime soon. Well, I don't necessarily think that voice 
will be the future. I think it might be part of the future. I really feel like the theme is that information, we just have a lot of information. And now I feel like this whole trend about foldable displays or secondary displays all kind of harkens back to the need of people to kind of make sense of all the data that's out there, to be able to display that data. And I think this is basically the the crux of all this experimentation giving us ways to display that information because right now we need we need it to make sense of our lives and all of this is happening because of 5G indeed right so what qualcomm showed our imagination for how computers are going to evolve. I think we're in a similar place to how the laptop evolved um, a few years ago, right? Where we had that moment where we went from twisting to flipping to zooming to all of these different ways on how a laptop became a tablet, how it iterated in form factor to be more useful and more diverse. And I think over the next five years, we're going to see a lot of devices that we're never going to see again. But it's important that we have these devices, that we experiment with these form factors, give it a try, uh, and see which ones click, which ones work. Uh, I don't think that 5G is necessarily responsible for all of this. There's a lot, you know, um, there's machine learning, there's just the developments in technology. AI. Uh, AI. And then going back to Computex, all these chips have enabled a new kind of, of computing that was not ever possible on, on devices so small and so mobile and portable. Uh, but, but this revolution that's happening, I, I do believe that 5G will usher us into that future. And then the rest is still a big question mark. So boring or gimmicks? I think Which we will is the have, way to go? I think we will have to have both at the same time for now. It's important to have these boring, trusty, reliable devices that are just what we need right now, but have these exciting, flashy, sometimes gimmicky devices that keep us excited and keep us at the edge of our seats looking forward to see what the future might be like. And maybe Um, one of those devices are the future. Imagining the possibilities of how we interact with our data. I mean, how we make things useful. It's a really exciting time in laptop, even though it can feel like it's stagnated. So Mm -hmm. it's it's cool. I I definitely don't feel like we're stagnating. I definitely believe there's a lot more to, to go. And I know that once we hit that, once we cross that line, it will really change humanity. Ooh. My goodness, I can't wait for your future. I hope we'll be around for that future, and I hope you guys will be around for episode two. Absolutely. If you want to find me on social media, Twitter at Nicole underscore Scooter, and in other places, Nicole no underscore Scooter. And then, of course, I write on mobilegeeks.com, and occasionally I make a video over at mobilegeeks.de on YouTube. And I am on Gadget Match. We make a lot of great videos once or twice a week. YouTube.com slash Gadget Match. Of course, make GadgetMatch.com your daily habit. And if you'd like to find me, I'm at Michael Josh all across social media. And on episode two, we may not be in the same room. I know, unfortunately. But it was. I'm really happy that we were able to do episode one together physically. We promise that we will be putting out episodes every week. And I look forward to being in the same city with you again. Probably Aoife this September, if not sooner. If not sooner. Well, Nicole, it was a pleasure as always. And I'm glad we finally got this podcast off the ground off the ground indeed (laughs) and this has been episode one of she said he said